Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode. I've got another familiar face back for the podcast. We actually recorded one a couple of weeks ago, but you know, it got lost in the ether of the internet and cyberspace. So we're doing another one, totally different topic, but welcome back to the podcast again, Mark, and I'll let you go through your plugs and reintroduce yourself, although I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but how's it going today, buddy? I'm doing really well, Zach. Thank you for having me on. I like that you said you got a familiar face, but no one that watches or listens to your podcast knows what my face looks like. So (laughs) I like that. That's funny, man. But um, yeah, my name is Mark. I run the podcast. Hey, Mark, it's a podcast based around self-development and mental health, just having open and honest, like an authentic conversations and not sugar-coated fluffy ones about those types of topics. Uh, you can find my podcast, Hey Mark, on YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Mark D. Henriksen. And Zach, I'm sure we'll plug that in the show notes for you guys. Um, I just kind of share a lot of my podcast clips, but also just my opinion on a ton of different things. And recently I've started to build a community based around, you know, having these conversations with pretty much anyone that's wanting to engage and just join a community like that. So if you are interested, shoot me a DM on Instagram and you can join the community. Like I said, it's based around having authentic conversations about mental health and self-development. And actually, Zach's a part of it as well. So you can have conversations with him. So that's all I got, Zach. I'll turn the mic back over to you. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And thank you for having me on again, Zach. Yeah, man. Anytime. I love these conversations where they're usually pretty loose and <laughs> we kind of take them wherever we, we feel like going, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, that group of yours is awesome. Like I, uh, you know, even not to spill any beans or anything, but today, you know, guys had questions about work and it's stuff that's, you know, trades related, which, you know, I, I tend to like talking about, although, you know, trades are a different world, right? So, I mean, you know, that I know that anybody who starts to get into it realizes that real quick, but, um, yeah, man, I, I really like that group. I think that was a good idea. It was, it was actually something I wanted to bring up with you is just that, that sense of community that you're kind of trying to build, which I really appreciate. I mean, especially nowadays, if you can, you know, any kind of those, any of those kind of communities that you can join and really discuss issues that are going on, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I'm not as active on there as I'd necessarily like to be, you know, having kids and all that stuff, but I, I like to read through it, check it and respond to whatever I can. So uh, thanks for setting that up. I think that could be a really invaluable tool for a lot of people moving forward. No, dude, thank you for being a part of it. And not to like kind of toot my own horn or brag about this group at all, but I, I really, uh, I'm pretty impressed so far with how, like, cause I thought I'd have to drive a lot of that conversation to be hundred percent honest, but I'm seeing now that, you know, we can all kind of be mentors to each other. And I guess that'll kind of go into the topic that you want to chat about today, but I'm seeing more and more, like, even like yourself, you're being a mentor in that group. Like everyone's going to be a student at some point and everyone's going to be a mentor at some point. So I kind of, I really like the community that's growing there, man. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, I kind of, I had the same expectation. I thought you'd be driving a lot of the conversation, but that wasn't the way it goes. And, you know, it's funny because um, I had, 
I would never have considered myself a mentor. Like even hearing you say that (laughs) I'm 31. I feel like I graduated high school yesterday. And then, you know, I take a step back. It's like, oh, well, you know, I've got four kids. I'm married. I'm in my thirties now, I guess to a 20 year old, I could be a mentor, but it's, it's not something I, I wear necessarily comfortably, but it's um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of good to, you know, what one thing actually, and this this is a reference back to a discussion we had on your podcast, but I think it'll tie in pretty nicely to today's episode too. Um, we had discussed, and I can't remember exactly what you had titled the episode as it was something along the lines of uh, when to man up or open up. And I really enjoyed that discussion. Like I, we were talking off mic or just on the phone last week. And, uh, you know, that was probably my favorite talk that we've had. And it's on your channel, regrettably. So I don't have that recording, but <laughs> I would encourage anybody to kind of go listen to that one. I had, I had a lot of fun and, you know, it's kind of cool. I think your podcast is good for this, but uh, it's the same thing that I try to cultivate on this one is just the insight you can get from everyday normal people. And it's even sometimes it's stuff that you'll pull out of yourself that you don't even realize you had until you start to talk about it. And then like, you're kind of putting pieces together as you're talking about it. Like it's the way I feel anytime we have discussions, it's, you know, you're kind of building on, on a topic and you really start to start to learn a lot more about yourself and different ways to approach a situation. And that's something that I think your podcast is invaluable for. Yeah. And I think, well, one thing that I, I always try and like pick apart people's brains that have things that I really either like or aspire to have or want a version of. And like, that's why, like, I really like talking to you because this is how I view you as a mentor. Cause you're right, man. Like you're not like, you're not an old guy. You're barely older than I am, but you're a homeowner. You're a father, you're a family man, you're a husband. Like you have a lot of things going for you that I think a lot of young men want or want a version of. And I think like for myself, I want a version of a lot of the things you have. So just talking to you and picking your brain about, you know, maybe how you got to the conclusions or how you got some of the things that you have in your life. Like, I think that that's kind of how we pick and choose our mentors. Like, I think that a mentor doesn't have to be like, you just listen to one person for everything in life. Like, I think you should have, I guess, mentors for like everything that you don't have yet or something that you need to improve on at least. Does that make sense? I mean, like makes perfect sense and i'm really glad that i'm having camera malfunctions right now because i'm blushing hard <laughs> i appreciate that um but uh yeah no that that makes perfect sense i mean you you can draw wisdom from anybody which i think is is a really good lesson that you have in your podcast it's something that i try to highlight here in talking to you know blue collar folk or anybody who really who wants to talk about it because everybody's got a little bit of wisdom um it's just a matter of pulling it out of them or you know opening up the discussion to that Uh, But I think it's a really good point that you made is that, you know, you never want to just kind of, I mean, personally, I don't like to idolize anybody, but I like to try to pull as much information or as much wisdom out of different people that I can, because everybody's got a different viewpoint. And if you can tap into as many of those as is humanly possible, uh, you're going to kind of expand your base of knowledge and your base of understanding. Yeah. And like, once you become a little bit more reflective, even there's like another level of that, where it's like, you can look at people that, you know, maybe you despise or maybe not that strong of an emotion, but like they, I guess, provoke negative emotions for you. Like you can look at people that piss you off basically. And you can learn from them as well. Cause you're like, well, I know not to be like that because that guy's a fucking douche. Like, you know, like you can learn from people that are way better than you, but you can also learn from people that are way worse off than you in many ways, if that makes sense. 
again, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm rambling right now, man. No, it's all good. We can, uh, we can kind of point the conversation, but that does make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, you can, you can glean a lot of lessons of what not to do too. Sometimes those are more valuable actually than what you can do. They tend to stick in your memory a lot better um, based on, you know, whatever feeling you got from it. But what I wanted to talk about today, and I think, you know, I think we could have a good discussion on this is, you know, maturation, um, adulthood, and we'll probably touch on manhood because let's face it, we're guys. So uh, that's kind of our area of expertise. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell a woman what womanhood is about. <laughs> like, you know, we can touch on adulthood and maturation, but uh, to me, one thing that really drives me a little bit nuts today is, uh, you know, like man child, like we've all heard that, that term, but it's, it's this idea and, you know, it kind of got me thinking because I've been listening to a bunch of different podcasts and reading different books. And, uh, you know, the the idea of the rights of manhood in a lot of different older cultures, you know, you may be more born a male, but you're not born a man. You know what I mean? You you become a man through trials and tribulations, through different tests in life, through different steps that you go through. And that was just something that I kind of wanted to break down today because again we're at different stages in life so i think that both of us and we've both gone through way different experiences so it's nice to kind of draw connections or parallels between different different paths through life and just different experiences or different things that you learned about yourself throughout the stages of that you know for me it was a lot a lot of it came down to you know learning about independence or being able to stand on my own two feet or then being empathetic or you know, being protective of people, obviously becoming a father that that steps up a hundredfold compared to anything else in my life. But um, yeah, I figured we could kind of get into that. And just, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, nowadays, there's, you know, you can, that the idea of the man child really does drive me crazy sometimes, because you'll see people who don't really have a sense of themselves, or have never actually gone through a test or any kind of tribulations that really will test your metal and will really prove who you are. And I think that there's a lot of value in that, that maybe, you know, we live in a really cushy society today. Like we live in probably the best time in all of history, but it also means that we don't really face those same tests, the, the same ones that we have in, you know, past cultures or even in some other cultures around the world where they have it a lot harder than us. And I think it creates a lot of infantile thinking some way sometimes. And I don't know, maybe, what do you think about that? I've been rambling here for the last two minutes. Yeah, no, man. I, I definitely know what you're talking about. And even just like the, the term man child, like that just perfectly depicts exactly what I'm thinking that you're thinking, if that, if that makes sense. But before uh, I start like rambling on to that, like I think it'd be cool, like for anyone that's listening or even myself to understand exactly what it is you're talking about, like describe in as few words as possible like what a man child would be. I got like, a, I got like an idea in my head and I could give you a list of words, but like, I want to, I want to make sure we're thinking about the same type of person. Well, to me, it's, you know, I mean, we, we're all familiar with the statistics and I, I do think that a lot of it has to do with uh, the price of everything nowadays. Like as far as, you know, how expensive it is to move out, uh, how difficult it is in the job market, like all that different things, but we're all familiar with, you know, People are staying at home for a lot longer, right? They're being dependent a lot longer in life. And this isn't, you know, this is, again, isn't attacking anybody with whatever situation that you're in. But it's important to kind of, I think, look at the situation as it is, right? Like if you're, you know, 40, living at home, like you are dependent still on your parents. And there's, you know, there's 
there seems to be a mindset that goes along with that, right? It's, it's just that idea of dependence and there's not as much independence now. There's not as much, almost um, a push and that push has to come from within, I think. I don't think that it's something that you can exert on somebody. You have to really find it in yourself to really want to stand on your own two feet, to, to face challenges you know, by yourself. I'm not saying that, you know, you can't ask for help or ask for guidance. That's, that's a point of strength as well. But, but uh, the ability and almost the desire to, to go out and really grow yourself to challenge yourself, because I think that there's a lot of, again, growth that happens there that unless you're willing to take it on, you're never going to get it. And you have to face it willingly, you have to face it knowingly. And uh, it's amazing how many lessons you can glean out of hardship in life. Love that, man. So basically, yeah, I guess what you're saying makes someone not, I guess, yeah, for lack of a better term, manly, but I guess like an adult would be like undisciplined, like no responsibility. And I get, well, yeah, you said dependent. That's a good word, man. I like those themes a lot because I think, I think we're perfectly aligned in that way. Um, before we go into an echo chamber of just agreeing with each other, can I play devil's advocate for a second? Absolutely. Yep. Do you think that, you know, too much, you know, sense of independence could be dangerous for a man? Um, I think if it turns into an egotistical sense of like an, where you overestimate your capability. Yes. I think it can, uh, because I also think that there isn't, any, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness to, you know, um, seek somebody else's guidance, somebody who's gone through something, right? But it's more, it's more when that becomes a habit, when you aren't willing to face anything unless you have somebody walking you through it, right? Like that, that to me is the, is the difference. And it's a subtle difference, right? Like it's a very fine line between it. But yeah, I do think that it can be, um, you know, a, a negative in the long run, if it, again, if it turns into ego, if it turns into something that you're refusing to ask for help, then yeah, it's, it's definitely can be a problem. But at the same time, I think that, uh, I think that it's important to kind of highlight those struggles and realize what you can gain out of them rather than trying to avoid any hardship in life. Because if you, you try to avoid every hardship in life, I don't think you're ever going to get that same level of growth. 100% man and yeah the only reason I brought that up is because man like I've worked in places before where there's those like guys I'm sure you've seen this because you've worked on so many different sites as well but like there's those apprentices who are like super independent and they end up doing a bunch of shit that is way over their head and they <laughs> fuck a whole project up and you're like dude you should have just asked for help like what the hell man oh yeah oh yeah like it's part of acknowledging what your boundaries are like we've all got them there's and the you know even what you said as far as like manliness like i'm not talking about some hairy chested ape looking guy right like that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about more um a sense of will or the willpower or you know just that that sense of independence you know the the ability to stand alone when you're facing you know whatever whatever hardship it is or whatever uh countering opinion that you're facing but you're comfortable standing alone you're comfortable being able to go through it by yourself but again you're open to asking for help when you need it yeah i think like you said it perfectly like knowing your own boundaries and i think that there's a manliness that's attributed to someone that's able to be like look man i don't actually know what the fuck i'm doing right now can you please <laughs> help me out like a little bit like just, just give me some guidance 
Absolutely. That's part of maturing too, right? To, to understanding where your capabilities end, where your boundaries are. And it's like, all right, I need help here now. That's kind of, I think that's what I've heard referred to as the zone of proximal development, right where you're at the edge, right? Where you're pushing into that unknown area that you don't quite have, but you need to kind of be riding that fine line to start to expand your skills. So it's, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's a fine line. It's, it's tough to kind of recognize it sometimes and then you again you'll end up in hot water or in over your head and that's kind of unavoidable but at the same time um that's usually where the most growth or the fastest pace of growth tends to happen yeah 100 percent, man well now that we got that cleared out of the way let's talk about some manly ass shit bro let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about this shit well let's yeah it's funny because uh, i was reading one book i don't know if you've ever heard of this book siddhartha by herman hesse I've heard of it. I haven't read it. I've had it recommended to me. I think you're the one that recommended it to me. I still haven't read it. Oh, buddy. I sent you all those text messages because I think I crushed that book in like two and a half hours. I literally, I could not put it down. Like it was, it's one of those reads that, um, and again, I have, I feel like it's going to have the same effect on you. It's one of those books that once you pick up, you just can't put down. Like it's, uh, it's about, you know, personal growth development. It's about a, a guy who's, you know, a young adult. I think he was 16 or 17. And he goes through, it goes through his whole life and it's a short book, but it goes through all these different stages of learning. And it's kind of what got me thinking onto this topic because he goes through living kind of a nomadic lifestyle where he learns his sense of independence. And then he goes through another, another more spiritual awakening. And then he joins like a monastery and he comes into, I think it was into contact with the Dalai Lama actually in the book. It's, it's again, it's based in India, but, um, it goes through just all these different spiritual awakenings ha he has. And then kind of the final awakening that he has is after he lives a life of like lavish, he's a lavish businessman, he's rich, all this shit. And then he ends up essentially walking away from everything and he ends up becoming a father. And that's kind of the final growth in his life. And it just, it got me thinking on this, this path of, again, just the different stages that you go through life and the different skills that you can learn through each of them. And I kind of had some parallels in my life that we can go over. But for me, I'll just kind of list them off here right away. But, you know, when my parents divorced at seven, that gave me a sense of all of a sudden I was responsible for uh, my sisters. I had three younger sisters. They were all there were five, three and one. Right. So was I really responsible for them? No, I was seven years old. But at the same time, that switch flipped in my head and realized that, you know, I've got to stand up for these three like you know, my parents are going through a hard time right now and I'm going to be there for them, you know, come hell or high water. And uh, that was kind of the first switch that flipped in my head. And then another one that I, I came across was working out of town because I'd kind of, when I started in electrical, I started working for my dad's company. I was a little bit of a prissy bitch. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I, you know, he, he did a good job of making sure that I did all the dirt work, crawl spaces, addicts, the nasty stuff, right? Because he didn't want me to get that, that sense of entitlement. But it's kind of unavoidable sometimes, right? You want to sleep in, you're the boss's son, it's like whatever. And then, you know, I went up north where it was just me and you really had to get a sense of independence. You had to be able to stand on your own two feet, start to think out your own problems. Um, nobody was going to come and save you. You didn't have a life raft, which to me was invaluable. It's, it's pushed me farther in my career and farther in life than just about any lesson that I ever think could have. And it was again, because I was, it was a trial by fire. You're thrown into the, the middle of it and you've got to pull your way out. There's nobody coming to help you. You know, I, I would ask journeyman or my boss up there at times if I needed technical help, but 
but at the end of the day, it's, it all falls on me and it's, it's up to me to get through it. And then the last one, well, I mean, marriage, obviously when I met my wife, that's a whole nother step too. But then the last one was again, like the book Siddhartha, it was fatherhood and just the awakening that that really triggers inside you. And so that's kind of, those were the, my steps that I had thought about when, when I was coming into this episode. So I figured we could go through with yours and then we can kind of break down some of these steps and different lessons that we've learned. Yeah. Like I wish, man, I'm trying to think as you're, you're saying, um, I guess your timeline, I'm thinking back to like, when did I go through these certain stages? And I, I mean, I kind of have a somewhat similar timeline, just a little bit different. Like I, I guess I recognize a lot more of my negative traits than whereas like you recognize a lot more of like your positive transformations. So like, I'm looking back at my life and, you know, like I went to two different high schools, my first high school, I was definitely not unpopular. I, I had tons of friends. I was playing sports there, but I just didn't feel right. Like a lot of the times, like I was just like, kind of felt like I made myself out to be an outcast. I ended up switching schools for rugby, but I look back at that time of my life and I'm like, I feel like I was just running away from this negative feeling that I had internally. And so like, for, for me, looking back at that, I, I see myself and it's like, Oh, that was the stage where I ran away from discomfort. You know, like, does that, so that's kind of the way I look at a lot of the times in my life. Again, like I worked for my father as well, right out of high school. And, um, I, I had a pretty similar experience to you, man. Like not uh, like, yeah, I wasn't really like late all the time or sleeping in all the time, but I was definitely complaining a lot more. I would bitch a lot more. I felt a lot more entitled, like I belonged there just because my last name was in the company's name. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the times I look back at that and it's like, oh, that was definitely my entitlement where I was like not taking responsibility for anything or even accountability for anything that I had to do. So I look back at that time in my life and then I can start to see the positives from there. Like when I had left working with my father, cause I thought that I could do my own thing and make more money and be happier, et cetera. Again, that was like another time I was running away from discomfort. I went into sales. And so for me, like that was a huge part where I started developing a lot more, uh, I guess, yeah, confidence, but also more skills that, you know, I walked into that job, I guess I could preface it by saying this, I walked into that job by talking the talk, I walked in and said, like, I'll do whatever job you have, and I'll do it the best that you could expect, better than you could expect, even because I had this, this idea that, you know, I came from construction, these people don't know what hard work is. So I was like, well, now I got to walk the walk, man. And if I don't make like sales is a very uh, measurable career, like it's very like, we can see if you're underperforming or overperforming. So I had to walk the walk. And so for me, like that was a really humbling experience for me. And I started to develop a lot more responsibility and accountability because it's like, well, if you're not making sales, you're worthless. Like that's literally how it is in sales. And then, you know, I went through a couple other endeavors on how I was making my money. I was trying to do my own online businesses. And that again was a very humbling experience, but coming back to construction and, and revisiting that part of my life. Like I, I feel immensely different. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm wanting to take on more responsibility. Like you were saying, like, I'm wanting to take on more, more responsibility. I'm not looking at more responsibility in my life and thinking, Oh, I should get paid more for this. Like, it's like, no, I want this because this is going to make me better. 
And like, I relate a lot of my things because you were talking about like times in your life, like, and for me, one of the things that was consistent in my life all the time was fitness. So I relate a lot of my struggles to fitness. And I feel like that in and of itself is a topic that we can go into. But the reason I brought it up is because, you know, fitness is a, it's a way that we all know, like discomfort or struggling is going to develop us physically. But then we always fail to see how that works the same way, like mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, if that makes sense. I, I get, I don't know if I'm redirecting this in a way that you don't want to. No, no, no. We can take this wherever you want, but I think it's a really good point that you made. Um, it's funny because if anybody can get, if you can get disciplined with fitness, I think all it takes is a slight tweak to your mindset and you can get disciplined with just about anything because it's again, it's kind of the most fundamental way that we can go through that, that pain, that real grindhouse of a situation and come out the other end better. And it's, it's something that you can see, like you can physically see the changes in your body. It's not something that's abstract or it's hard to track your progress. It's very easy. And I think that, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about fitness. I mean, I'm not as into it anymore. I mean, you know, but it's just life gets busy, right? But when I was younger, especially when I was working out of town, I found that that was something that I needed almost as a kind of a mental break from work when I was up there. Like that's where I felt the most clear headed where I could really do some thinking. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I tend to not use the term meditation too often, but you know, that is where I would kind of get my meditation and I'd start to think about, you know, things outside of work, how I could get my mind off of it. Cause again, when I was working out of town, you're working 12 hour days and you've got literally nothing else going on in life. So uh, that hour or 90 minutes that I would spend in the gym was really the time that I could be introspective and start to think about things outside of work. And, um, no, I think there's a lot to be said about fitness, about about just the and again, all it takes is a slight tweak to that that mental your your focus on it. And you can apply that those same lessons to just about anything in life where you're willing to go through the pain and the hardship, the grind to come out better. Yeah, and like that's what I associated to because, you know, and this is me just kind of being vulnerable right now, but like I was always like that kind of and I still am. Like I was kind of like that class clown. I never applied myself into anything difficult. Like I would just, my main concerns up until the point I was probably like 21 or 22 years old, which is only a couple of years ago. It's like my main concerns were, I just want to joke around and play sports and hang out with girls. Like that's literally my only motivations at the time. And so like getting into fitness and I actually did like some bodybuilding back in the day and I was playing sports. Like that was the first time where I actually saw like, wait, if I start to apply myself and I just, you know, not even have to give maximum effort all the time, I just have to be consistent with this, then I'm going to get better. Like I can actually develop. Like that's something that was so foreign to me. And it was the first time where I was like starting to gain confidence and starting to gain, you know, responsibility and accountability for my actions. Cause it's like, well, I didn't have confidence because I looked a certain way, but I had the power to change that the whole time. And I was just kind of playing victim in my head. So I feel like that kind of segues perfectly back into, you know, being an adult or being a man or being a leader. Cause it's like that, that was the first time I started to see some sort of development or results. And then once I got a taste of it, I was hungry for it. And I wanted it in every other aspect of my life. Now it was like transferable, like you said, cause any other time I saw a struggle in my life, it's like, well, how can I conquer this with just pure consistency or discipline? 
or just hitting it hard enough. Like that's kind of the way that I thought about things. And I was like, well, I can apply this to my relationships or my finances or literally anything else. And I can start to improve so many other areas of my life. Well, that's the interesting thing too, right? Because that's, that's, I'm, I'm sure it's the same with you, but that's one thing that I find pretty consistent in people who are disciplined, who I would consider mentors to me, people who I look up to is that they also take care of their personal health. You know, I don't, I can't think of anybody that I emulate or look up to who spends most of their time watching TV shows or sitting down watching some form of media. Um, I mean, this isn't a slight at anybody. If that's what you do, it's just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not where I gain inspiration from. It's not the type of people who I would consider that I really look up to in that sense. Right. Like, you know, again, I have different mentors, like some people that I talk to are just, they're incredibly thirsty for knowledge. Right. So where a lot of their dedication goes into is reading or learning or expanding their understanding and those kind of things I can really I can really, you know, relate to and follow as well, because that is something that I look up to. Uh, that's, but that's, again, that's not just wasting your time sitting around watching movies. That's actively trying to better yourself. And, you know, it, it can be a grind getting through books. Like, you know, this too, you read a lot. I mean, right now I'm reading uh, the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, which again, uh, another book recommendation for anybody listening or keeping track. I'll try to do another book episode in another five or six months, but uh, it's an incredible book just talking about social phenomenon and social epidemics and the way that, you know, mindsets change. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but uh, yeah, you can, you can really draw inspiration from anybody, but it all comes down to that level of discipline. It's what people are really drawn to. And again, that can be a source of inspiration, whether it's knowledge, whether it's fitness, whether it's work, whatever it is, it all comes down to dedication and discipline, in my opinion. And that's something that I think we share. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that what you said is like so true as well, because, you know, when I think about like, because when I think about like people that I look up to as well, and I'm sure there's people that we have in common that we both look up to, like a lot of the times, like it's, you know, it's like you said, they're not spending their time reading or like watching sports or watching TV all the time, or, you know, talking about other people's lives, like gossiping or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah, hundred percent. I fucking hate that. But um, you know, like when when you kind of asked me or talked to me about like kind of the topic we'd be talking about today, I, I kind of like wrote down a bunch of different points of like different values or different examples or different things. But at the very top of the page, I literally wrote down three words, and that that's kind of what summarizes what I think like a a man is. And those three words are just. Uh, strong, smart, and humble, like those three things. And so like, it definitely pays off to be a bookworm. And especially if you're reading good content, because a, you're going to be gaining new perspectives all the time. You're going to be gaining mentors. If you're someone that doesn't have a mentor, you're going to be gaining mentors through books. You're going to be learning through other people's losses, but that's not the only thing that like being a man truly is because you need to be able to apply what you're learning about in the real world, right? So we were talking earlier before we started recording about, you know, philosophy and stoicism and these different values in terms of, you know, not caring what other people think and a couple other things as well. But, you know, it it's one thing to learn that intellectually and be able to think about the concept. And it's a completely different thing. And to be able to 
I guess, apply that into your life and actually use the concept as a tool as opposed to just a thought? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that I really appreciate appreciate about Stoic philosophy, and I'm not as well read on it as you, I, I admit, um, but it's just that, you know, that the emphasis isn't placed on social validation. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's one thing that and I've had a guest on here before, Kyle, who, who just, I think he said, let's face it, you're fucking soft, like you're soft. And uh, I really appreciated that. I mean, I, I don't go that hard in the paint generally, but um, I mean, that's what a lot of our generation is. And, I, I, you know, I fall victim to it too. Uh, it's not, I'm not taking myself out of this equation here. I, absolutely. I have, but um, I think that again, we, we live in arguably the best time in history. When you look at the social comforts we have, the fact that you can just go down to a grocery store and get anything you need, you don't really need to go hunting or foraging for anything right now. If you're bored, you just fire on the TV or even talk into it now at this point, and it's going to pull up whatever information or whatever um, TV shows or programming you want, right? So, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be said if about Stoic philosophy and the fact that you aren't seeking social validation. And I think that is a key part of kind of maturation, adulthood, dare I say manhood, I don't know, again, this is coming from the point of two guys. So we're going to focus on that end of it. Um, but, you know, I think that is a big part of it is that you're not, you know, you can look inside yourself, and you're able to kind of measure yourself against you rather than against society or against what everybody thinks of you. And I think that's something that's incredibly important, especially nowadays. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the times as well with stoicism, like it's, um, it's more geared towards and like, this is one thing I talk about on my podcast all the time. And I know that you've kind of talked about this as well. But it's like more alluding to the idea of like, individual accountability, like what's your role in the situation that you're in right now. So like, in, in the example of someone like, you know, gossiping or talking negatively about you behind your back, like, it's like, at the end of the day, you can't really control that. There's always going to be people that disagree with you or not like you or just want to fuck with you, whatever it is. And it's like, well, what can you control? You can control just your reaction. And then you can control your own actions to basically make whatever they say, I guess, redundant or mundane or just inapplicable. Like if someone's saying, oh, you're lazy, that, that Mark guy is so fucking lazy. It's like, well, I can just live my life in a way that, is obvious that I'm not lazy. And then nobody would even believe that guy who's full of shit, or I could just disregard him and not give a shit what I, what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. I tend to fall to the ladder. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, to me, it's, you're able, if you, if you really can embrace that, not caring what other people think about you, not, you know, I mean, again, like everything, it's a fine line, right? Like when you're, you know, when you look at your social circles and how your social acceptance is, a lot of the time, that's kind of the buffer to make sure you're kind of playing in the lines of society, right? Like you're not going off on some tangent where nobody wants to hang out with you anymore because you're miserable or you're a nutcase or something. So you, it's always, again, it's always a balancing act. It's a fine line, but there is something to be said about really not caring what other people think of you. And there's, you know, again, Stoic philosophy is full of this stuff. And one of the quotes here that I have from uh, William Irvine from the book, A Guide to a Good Life, the ancient art, art, sorry, the ancient art of Stoic joy. 
is uh, one way to overcome our obsession with winning the admiration of other people is to go out of our way to do things likely to trigger their disdain. Cato made a point of ignoring the dictates of fashion. According to Plutarch, Cato did this not because he sought vain glory. To the contrary, he dressed differently in order to accustom himself to be ashamed only of what was really shameful and to ignore men's low opinion of other things. In other words, Cato consciously did things to trigger the disdain of other people simply so he could practice ignoring their disdain. And that idea to me, I mean, it's a little bit crazy, right? Like if you're purposely trying to egg people on just so that you get used to that feeling of being outside of the social circle or whatever, you know, it seems crazy. But at the same time, I mean, even what you're talking about with trades, you know, you develop that thick skin, you start to develop that sense of self and you aren't reliant on what people are talking about or think of you. And I think there's a lot of strength to that. Yeah, man. And, you know, I wish I could honestly say that I'm at the same level that you, you seem to be at, man. But like, I, I, I honestly could, if I had to be a hundred percent honest, like I do definitely care about like at least a certain amount of people, like the people that are close to me in my life, I do care what they think, but I try and channel that in what I view to be like a constructive or productive way of thinking about it, like using it as fuel. Like I said, like if, if someone says something that pisses me off or makes me upset, then I try and find a way to use that to motivate myself to make my life better or like I always use the term undeniable. Like it's like, dude, I'm just going to make myself undeniable. So it doesn't matter what they say. Everyone knows what the truth is. Like that's kind of the way I look at it. But I, I definitely love that story, man. Cato is a really weird guy for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think, I can't remember the story. I remember reading about it. I think he wore either like peasants clothes or women's clothes. Like, and he was like literally just walking around getting people to make fun of him essentially. Yeah, that's what I read too, is that 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 was his thing. He was purposely going counterculture or counter fashion just to egg people on to hear that disdain and to get used to it so that he didn't care about it anymore, which I think is, again, it's kind of crazy, but it's, I think it's a useful skill. Again, you're talking about going through hardship. He's per- He's purposefully putting himself through the fire in order to strengthen himself, right? And you're right about uh, caring about what certain people think. Like, I think, I think all of us have that support network, that, that close network of people that we care about. And we do want to, that's kind of how we gauge how we're doing in life, I think is based on their reactions to us. Um, but you know, I like to think that the people that are closest to me, who I really care about, like they're going to see that behavior or a behavior like that for what it is, they're going to understand it. And if they don't at first, I mean, I'll explain it to them because to them, I'm not trying to draw disdain out of the people that I really, I I value their opinion, right? That's, that's not the point of it. It's more to me, just trying to safeguard yourself against caring about what everybody thinks about. And I think that, you know, I think I'm lucky in the sense that, um, I don't know if you've ever done, I think we've, or I've talked about it before, but there's the, the website, um, understandmyself.com. It's a great personality test. And I think I'm lucky in the fact that I score in the third percentile on neuroticism. So out of a room of a hundred people, there's only going to be two who are less neurotic than me. So I, I think by a personality trait, I just don't, I don't care very much what people think of me, which I think lends itself pretty well to this kind of thing, because it gives me a pretty thick skin as far as if somebody disagrees with me on a podcast or, you know, I get the odd thing of hate mail it usually seems to be centered around the episodes with kyle which i haven't done for a while so haven't gotten as much hate mail but you know it comes every once in a while and to me it's 
you know, I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. I analyze it. But if it if I think that it's coming from, you know, an attack on me personally, rather from rather than on an idea that I'm portraying, well, then that's a win for me. Because if the only thing you can attack can attack is me personally and not the message that I'm conveying, then you don't have an argument against my message. You just have an argument against me. And if I'm if you don't like me, there's nothing I can do about that. So I, I really don't care. And that's that's kind of where I think I think that trait lends itself well to podcasting. But, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. That's just how I am, I guess. Yeah, I think we all have that kind of like their own everyone that I mean, does a podcast has their own little quirk. But that definitely is like a good thing. Like there's a lot of times where and like there's nothing that you say that's even egregious where there. But there's like a lot of times where I'm listening to your podcast. I'm like wow, that's dope that he's able to just say that and not give a shit because he's right. Like there's so many times where, especially when you cover politics, man, because you got a good way of speaking about politics. When I speak about politics, I feel like I don't get as much hate because I don't put things as eloquently as you. So people just assume I'm a meathead anyways. So it doesn't really matter. But then like a lot of the things you speak about are so uh, similar to the values that I have, but I just don't really, I guess, have a good way of saying them a lot of the time. So I don't even think about putting it in my podcast, but I, I actually appreciate a lot of the times you do that. So if you receive hate because of any of your political stuff, man, send them my way and I'll cuss them out. <laughs> You're better at that for sure. As far as cussing people out, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm too agreeable. So I'm just like, oh, whatever. Sorry, man. If it doesn't suit you, then just listen to something else. You know, that's, that's kind of my general response, but yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. It's funny because I get really uncomfortable going into political waters. And uh, I think maybe that lends itself to being more particular with my wording. It's because I'm nervous when I start to wade into those waters. And hopefully I can kind of get out of it. I mean, we've obviously got this background of the pandemic and everything going on. So it's tough to kind of stay completely out of it now that everything is politicized, right? But at least the election is over with. I had five weeks of absolute near mental breakdowns during the election cycle. And now I'm done with that. So I can move on, have conversations with people like you. And, uh, you know, I've got another a, a doozy of an interview coming up uh, later this week. So it, it should be released, I don't know, in a couple of weeks. But I, you know, I'm excited to kind of get onto different topics. And yeah, anything else, anything other than this election cycle, because God, that was 36 days from hell. But that speaks. Well, yeah, dude, I know, because I was like consuming every single conversation. Like, I don't blame you at all. And I tried to cover some of it on my podcast, but I was just like, man, I'm going to lose any shred of audience that I have right now, because I like, unlike you, I don't have really a nice way of putting my emotions through my opinions a lot of the time. And like you kind of come from that that standpoint of like, oh, if you don't agree with me, then um, that's fine with me. But like I have this kind of thing within me and I guess this comes with maturation as well. But it's like if you don't agree with me, then then you're against me. Like that's kind of the way I always look at it. man. And like I hate that, too. But I just always. Yeah, it's something that I guess I'm struggling with. But uh, I like that you're able to just kind of have that open and authentic conversation. That's something I should probably, yeah, because there's not, there is definitely, like you said, everything's becoming politicized and polarized now where it's like, man, we need to find middle ground because I feel like that's where everyone's happiest for sure. Well, that's not even like where I feel like I just know that because like growing up as a kid and like you could probably speak to this exact same thing because you grew up in the lower mainland as well. It's like, 
dude, life wasn't like this before. Like not this many things were polarized or politicized at all. So it's kind of weird that it's happening now. But now we get to the point where there's people like me who get pissed off that people don't agree with them. I'm like, man, what are you doing this for? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, man, it's a tough dividing line. Like, look, I get, I get those same emotional responses too. I just, nowadays, I try to really swallow them and analyze them for what they are, you know, like, because uh, with me anyway, you know, I, I, can, I can disagree with somebody uh, vehemently. But at the same time, I try not to let it cloud. To me, the biggest thing and the thing that we're missing nowadays is that, and you've talked about this recently on your podcast, specifically with Aiden. And I loved that episode. I think it was your two guys, one cup or two guys, one couch, whatever it was. <laughs> I know it's two guys, one couch, but, but uh, it was great. Like the idea that you, you, you can't glom the idea onto the person. Like there's a very, and that is very hard to do nowadays because everybody likes to associate ideas with people, right? But it's, it's important. And this is the one thing that I try to keep in mind is that I may disagree vehemently with a couple of your ideas, but with you as a person, you know, we're two people, we're two humans. And that's what it really comes down to, to me. And I think that's what we're losing nowadays because, and this is, I mean, I've talked about it last week, I think, I don't know, one of these weeks, but the idea of dehumanization, and that is to me, the biggest threat nowadays um as far as socially goes when we're talking about again face-to-face conversations even like people get vile not like they do online but people still get vile in person like i experience it on on job sites when i'm going and i have a customer who's just starts laying into one class of people we know who i'm talking about they just start laying into them not knowing that i'm a part of that group and you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm a service worker. I'm, I'm not there to give you my political opinion. I never took this stance as a political stance or as a stance that was to ever be discussed about. It was a personal decision. I didn't make it thinking that it would become a talking point in every single bit of society. And I never intended it to be. So to me, you know, I'm here to fix your electrical. You know what? You're welcome. Your lights are on. I'm the one who did it. See ya, right? I, I'm not here to have some discussion with all these with all these people, but I think that that idea of dehumanization and uh, it's the biggest threat nowadays to society because it it rips apart every single shred of it, right? From families to friendships to you know workplaces, whatever the whatever it may be, uh, that's the real threat. And it's the fact that we associate beliefs with somebody's personhood, and I think that's one of the most dangerous things that's going on nowadays. And it's so prevalent. Like you said, it's more prevalent than ever before, you know, before, you know, the the basic rule was you don't talk religion or politics, you know, at the dinner table, you don't talk it with, with friends, whatever. Um, And I think that's, you know, that, that now is extending into more topics, but we've got to find a way to separate that, to still view each other as human beings at the basic fundamental level, because, you know, without that, um, we're in a dark place, right? Like, uh, <laughs> that's a dangerous road to go down. And I think that's, um, you know, it's why, quite personally, I've pointed the podcast in a certain direction in the past few weeks is because I do feel that that is the biggest threat that we're facing um, societally. And, you know, if I can do anything to impact that at all, then I'm going to do it. I'm at least going to be able to say at the end of the day that I did whatever I could to critique that idea to attack that that mentality and that ideology 
And uh, sorry, I'm preaching again. So say something. <laughs> no, man, I like that. And what you said kind of brought out something that I was writing down in my journal, like uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, in regards to this. And it was like two, two points I'll make to kind of wrap up that topic, I guess. And it's just basically like, first off, like when you figure out when someone has like a point of view, you can't just like go ahead and automatically assume every other point of view that that person is going to have, right? Like there's, you know, we're talking about like the type of topics that you're talking about, these polarizing topics. Like once you find out that someone belongs to that class, said class that you were talking about, like a lot of the times it's if you don't belong to that group, then you're going to start to assume the views and pull them all together as this like group identity. Like if you think A, then you obviously think B, C, D, and E, mm-hmm. et cetera, which like kind of leads me to the next one, which is like, just because someone like disagrees with you on a few certain topics, doesn't mean someone's a fucking idiot. And that's kind of me preaching to myself because that's like my default thought is like, oh, you disagree with me on this, <laughs> this, and this. But I, in my mind, that's factually correct. You must be an idiot if you don't see facts. Like that's the way I think. Like that's my literal thought process and I have to catch myself in it. And it's like, no, this person probably knows a lot more than you in a lot of different fields as well. Right. Like, I think that if you like figuratively or literally break bread with someone, you sit down, you have a meal with them or you drink a beer with them, wherever, however you connect with people, like you definitely find that you have a lot more in common with anybody then you have differences between the two of you, I feel like. Oh, big time, man. And I think that's, that's again, part of the importance of viewing everybody as an individual. As soon as you start to put everybody into groups and you glom all these ideas to them based off of one opinion, you know, it's separating people into groups. It's you versus them. It's, it's, um, that's dangerous. You've got to understand that people are individuals. Like they hold a wide variety of opinions on all kinds of different shit. They may agree with you. And again, like you said, with common ground and, you know, I I mean, it's something that I think we lose with social media, especially with the forced isolation that we've been having. I think we've talked about that before, so we don't have to, to dig into that heavy again, but you lose a bit of that ability to recognize the common ground that we all have. Because, you know, if you sit down in front of somebody and you're talking, you want to find an equilibrium in a conversation. You know, nobody wants to sit through a tense argument or a tense discussion all the time. You want to find something that you can, you can share together, some sense of common ground, some commonality that links you to. And that's really important. And I think it only really comes to terms in a sit down face to face discussion, because it's really easy in an online discussion to just unplug or again, just glom somebody into a group, shut down discussion entirely, block them, whatever you do. It's not the way to go. Um, But I think we lose that without the face to face, because again, we have so much in common, you know, like even, I I don't know if I said this in the podcast or not. I usually those uh, political ones I'd take like eight takes on because I was nervous as fuck putting them out. Right. But um one of the things was that, you know, the average voter has more in common with the other average voter than they do with any one of the leaders of any of the political parties. And we need to understand that. Like, I may vote for party A and somebody else may vote for party C, but I have more in common with that other voter than I do with either the leader of party A or party C. And them, it, they're in the same boat. Like, we have a whole lot more in common than these party leaders were voting for. And, you know, again, like not going back to 
the the election but i think that you know this election if it has any lasting legacy it's going to be a it was incredibly stupid and wasteful and b it was incredibly divisive in the country i don't think you know again i mean it's not like i could have imagined us being more divided heading into it but after five weeks it was pretty clear that we were more divided than ever coming out of it and now it's trying to again like you said find that commonality that common ground we got to try to build back some of these bridges that were completely firebombed and nuked in the middle of this election cycle. But it's going to take work. It's going to take face-to-face conversations. It's going to take recognizing each other as human beings, really, (laughs) that we may have different opinions, but we are humans together. Like to me, it's just, yeah, the, the, the level of dehumanization and division that has been going on is the scariest thing to me. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I think that, like, and I haven't even spoken about this on my podcast, but I feel like I, I've been using like, yeah, the division or divisiveness, like those types of words. But I like the uh, I like the term that you've been using, man, the dehumanization, because that essentially is like, you know, when you're pissed off at someone, like, like and again, this is me kind of just talking to myself, but like when you're pissed off at someone who disagrees with you. It's like, you're not really mad at that person. You're mad at like whatever idea they hold because it's like exactly their own ideology, right? Like it's, it's the thing that pisses you off, not the person. Yep. Like, you know, if you're like, like, man, put it this way. Like if you're in a, if you're in a pinch, if you're not home and your house is on fire and your neighbor that you disagree with nine times out of 10, but he's a real good guy and you call him and you're like, yo, my house is on fire. Can you run in and grab X, Y, and Z? They're really, really valuable to me. Like that person would most likely have your back, like most likely, because that's just what communities do for each other. And I think that so many times we start to distance ourselves from the people in our communities because they think differently or they might appear to think differently you might not even talk to that person but i think that dehumanization is like the root of this divisiveness because looking back at you know my childhood i remember my friends parents talking about politics and it was never like as aggressive or divisive as it is now like there were people that disliked what was his name stephen harper was like the prime minister that i i really remember from growing up and there was people that disliked him and there was people that really liked him. And I never really even understood my own view on him until recently because I heard so many different perspectives on him. I heard so many people that hated him and so many people that loved him. And like, it wasn't as divisive because I just heard all these different things. And I was like, Oh, that's just politicians are loved and hated. That's it. Yeah. Well, nowadays, if you were to talk to any liberal or NDP voter, Stephen Harper is the devil. Like that's the way, you know, it's portrayed. That's how divisive things are nowadays. And it's again, it's crazy to me. But speaking of community, you're right. You know, we all have these communities that we can fall back on. But I I think it's going to put in, you know, we've got to put in that face to face time to really rebuild those after everything that we've been going through the last 20 months now. Jesus, it might even be two years almost. But uh, that's one thing that I wanted to to really reiterate is why I'm appreciative of you building this little online community, because I think that it's really, you know, it's, it's really important nowadays. You know, a lot of people are feeling very isolated and um, you know, wherever you can get this sense of community, you know, you, you kind of glom to it. You're, you're looking for it. Like you just want to be able to talk to people, right? You want, you want to make those connections again. And I think it's important. So I wanted to, yeah, thank you for doing that. And then kind of, you know, in, in starting to close down this discussion for today, but, you know, looping back to this idea that we had of going through 
different foundational steps towards manhood or adulthood, whatever you want to call it. Like, again, to me, working out of town and gaining that sense of independence, being able to stand on my own two feet. I think nowadays that serves very well when it comes to all these attacks and all this division now, because, you know, when we were, when I was out of town, like I had to work with all kinds of people, people who I really, you know, I didn't get along with personally, you know, but we had a common goal. We recognized each other as what we were in, in that sense, we were workers, right? We were a common workforce trying to accomplish a goal, just like you, me, and everybody else were common human beings trying to accomplish a goal. We're trying to make this world a better place, right? And at the bottom line, that's what all of us are doing. We may have different ideas of how to get there, but that's what we are. We're all human beings trying to accomplish something better, trying to make this world a better place. And that was the same thing when I was working out of town. Like, you just had to view everybody as an individual, somebody who is trying to build the mind, somebody who is trying to progress or to, yeah, to progress the job, to, to move forward on it. And, you know, it didn't matter if we didn't get along on everything or we had different viewpoints. We had to work together. And that was one thing that I really drew out of working out of town. Again, because I was isolated, I was on my own. It was up to me at that point. And then also the other, the other sense that I think gave me a little bit more empathy and it probably contributes to why I don't get so heated and angry now is like, and you'll experience this one day, maybe if you want to, it's up to you, but becoming a father, um, because it makes you more than anything introspective. Like, yes, you are responsible now for, you know, your offspring, your kids, but it also, it hit, it flicks some different switch in your head that makes you think back. So you're no, you're no longer just looking forward at what you're, what you're hoping for your kids. You're looking back at, you know, different relationships that you had with your parents, with your grandparents, ways that they were trying to mold you. And when you would act back or act against them, you know, every time that my kids defy me in some way, it instantly transports me back to a time that I defied my parents in the exact same sense. And it just gives you this more of a rounded view of anything because you realize it from both perspectives. Now you already know what it's like as the kid rebelling, but now you all of a sudden it clicks in your head, how your parents felt, how your grandparents felt, how every mentor in your life ever felt. And now you have that 360 degree image of this situation. And it's, it's interesting to me. It helped me become more empathetic, more open to other people's experiences and realizing how people react to certain situations. This is just me personally, but that I never gained until having kids and being able to really put all those thoughts and all those perspectives together at the same time, if that makes any sense. No, a hundred percent, man. Cause that, that was pretty much, I had a similar realization when I became a manager in one of my jobs as well. But now that you have me thinking about how many times I probably pissed my dad off, that's a real kick in the nuts, man. That's uh, I'm like, man, I was kind of a prick of a kid, but I guess that's kind of how, a lot of men grow up and think about later, but I think that a lot as well, especially like thinking back to my first time being in a management position where I looked at, you know, people that I was managing that were so similar to me, both in age and personality. And I would just see kind of roadblocks in the times where it's like, dude, I'm doing this to help you. Like I'm, I'm trying to help you right now. Like I could be out making more money doing my own sales, but I'm trying to help you with something right now. And like seeing how, you know, kind of the aversion of responsibility happens. It's like, oh, this is what I used to do because being coached sucks or being even 
being parented sucks. Like it's like a humbling experience. You don't want to admit that you're wrong. You don't know, you know, like it, yeah, it just sucks. Well, and sometimes you don't even realize you're wrong. Yeah. Or even the possibility that you could be, because like I said earlier, like when you think something, it's because you think it's true. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like when something's trying to show you or demonstrate how that could be contradicted in reality, it's like, what do you mean? This is what I know to be true. Like you're kind of shaking the foundation. So it just kind of, yeah, it sucks, man. But it, I think that probably being a student or a child, or uh, I guess like even a player on a team, like when you learn how to be coachable or parented, it could probably make you a much better parent or coach if that makes sense, or vice versa, even like, I'm sure that even going through fatherhood now and having your kids kind of like to use your word, like defy you or go against like what order you've set, mm-hmm. like you kind of set a standard and then you expect that they maintain that standard. So when you do, when they don't, then that probably makes you not only a better father, but a better student later on, because you're like, Oh, I know how frustrating this is when these things happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said, it's just, you gain a different perspective on, (laughs) on each uh, situation. Cause you, you know, you went through it as a kid, you know how that feels. So you know how they're feeling, but at the same time, now you understand, you know, what your parents felt. So it's, it's funny because at the same time, every time they, they do something, you know, whatever it is, they act out for something. It all of a sudden kicks into my head, like a lesson that I should have learned when I was a kid, but now now I'm only learning it 25 years later or 20 years later, whatever it is. I'm just learning it now, but it all comes kind of comes full circle and it hits you at the same time. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Like it's uh, yeah, I, I really don't know how to explain it. It's um, but I, I think it's something that I personally only gained through fatherhood. And, uh, and it's something that I'm thankful for now. I think it, like I, like I said, I think it just helps me in even conversations day to day or, you know, difficult discussions where I may not agree with somebody, but it, it helps me kind of at least be open more to their perspective because I understand how it is with parenting and how there's two completely divergent perspectives at play. And it's trying to bridge that gap. It's trying to, to still convey a lesson or at least find some common ground. Cause that's the way it is with kids sometimes. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to bend to every, whim and every desire of your kid but at the same time there does have to be a little bit of flexibility because sometimes i can realize like i'm being too rigid in my my way of thinking and like i need to i need to flex a little on this i need to be able to move a little bit and it's uh i think it's important in just yeah day-to-day discussions but again what we were talking about with kind of the infantilization of a lot of like men or adults nowadays I don't know that you gain that same perspective because I mean, people are pushing off um, parenthood until later on in life They're or they're just foregoing it completely. Again, there's outside pressures, there's economic pressures, there's societal pressures. I get it. There's all these different things, but there is something I think that wakes up in people when they have kids and when they go through that transformation. I mean, again, like this book Siddhartha uh, by Herman Hesse, it really talks about how that's kind of his final unlocking and it's it's interesting because again in reading the book i felt the exact same way there's something else that opens up there's some level of empathy and some some level of understanding that i just i personally never had before i I know there's other ways to come about it but 
for me personally, that was, that was it for me. And I, I don't know when you start thinking about society in general and how heartless some people seem to be, or, you know, how closed off they are to, you know, certain things being given to kids. I'm not saying anything, you know, but this is another discussion for another day, but you know, it's very easy to come from a certain viewpoint when you're not in that, you're not in that situation. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's interesting looking around in society and, and seeing all these different factors at play. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I can even attest that to like the friends that I know. Cause I mean, I didn't know you before you had kids, so I can't really say how I've seen that develop you, but even the guy I work with my foreman, like I've, I've worked with him before he had kids and now I've worked with him in a couple, like he's had kids now for six years and I've seen how it's changed, not just the way that he like speaks to other people, like homeowners or customers, but even the way he deals with me. Like I think I was having a conversation with my dad recently and it's like, dude, he's so much more patient with me now. Like there's so many more times, but, and not only is that more pleasant to work with, but like, I'm able to learn a lot more from him. And I feel like he probably enjoys work a lot more now with it as well. Like, and and just in, in the topic of patience, man, like when I look, when I think about people that I look up to, like a lot of the times it is people that hold either patience or discipline with their reactions. And I guess that is sort of patience, but like a lot of the people that I look up to are, are like, because of their trait of being patient, of being able to not react, you know, to a person or an event super quickly and hastily and emotionally they're able to actually like seize things for how they are. So I think that that's actually like a clear indicator, I guess, for me, who I look up to, but also furthermore, it's like a testament to what you're saying. And like, I'm look, I'm not like a father yet. And that I know of, and <laughs> I don't really plan on being a father in the next, like in the next couple of years, at least, but it is definitely something that I, I look forward to and I look up to in a lot of men. And I think that it, it's kind of undeniable when you look at our like human beings and I'm not, not just saying this about men, it's kind of across both genders. It's like, that's one of the roles that we play evolutionarily. Like our main thing is to reproduce. That's what motivates all of us. If you look at anything, whether it's like being a man or a woman, any of our desires, whether it's to make money or have a roof over our head or X, Y, and Z it's to provide. It's just, it's to protect and to provide both men and women. And that motivation to protect and provide is for offspring, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm not saying that, you know, cause there's definitely people that can't have children because of medical problems or, or issues, whatever they're dealing with, but there's more than one person. And this is kind of like the caveat to what you're saying in my beliefs, like there's more than one ways to achieve that. I guess, parental need in all of us. Like there's definitely being a parent is the most direct way. It's the most tangible way. It's the easiest to come by for sure. Cause we all like the process of making the kid, but I feel like there's other ways as well to kind of get that parental, that, that need, that urge that we all have. And, you know, there's some spiritual and emotional fulfillment in that as well. Like, I'm sure that a lot of the times when you were struggling before you had children, you could find kind of external ways to motivate yourself. Like, Oh, I'll have more money so I can buy the truck that I want so I can buy a house.
But I don't think that you really have any doubt after a hard day now where it's like, I know exactly why I did that. Oh yeah. I, I think that's a very, <laughs> a very good point. Um, yeah. There's never any question as to why anymore. That's the one thing that, you know, uh, kind of, if it's a, if it's a selfish gain from being a parent, that's, that's one of them. Although again, the, the whole idea behind it is, you know, it's a selfless idea. It's for my kids, but, um, yeah, that's one thing I gained is there's never any question as to why anymore. Uh, and that, you know, it helps me get up every day. And, you know, I don't really groan at the alarm clock the same way that I ever used to, because it's like, well, why are you getting out of bed today? All right. That's to feed your kids, put a roof over your kid's head, get the fuck out of bed. And it's real easy at that point to, to get rolling. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I think you touched on a lot of great points there. I'm, uh, um, yeah, I'm starting to run out of steam a little bit because it's getting late here. But, you know, even what you were talking about with uh, with the desire to protect and provide, I also think that, you know, I, I looked at it and I actually recently had a discussion with Ed from the Dokio podcast, who I, I really love that discussion, but um, of the idea of legacy, because I think that's a lot of what drives people. You know, you find artists who they leave their legacy on canvas or on paper if they're writing or you know um musicians composers they leave a legacy that way whether or not they have kids i think i think that kids are a very direct and a biological legacy that you can leave but i think that a lot of what drives people to is legacy so if you can find that meaning in something um you know i i was talking to ed about this too but even the fact that this podcast could be viewed as a legacy project it's something that you're leaving behind some mark that you're trying to make on the world you know whether it's successful or not that doesn't really matter it's the it's that driving force it's that it's that why it's it's what you can leave behind at the end of the day i think that is also another really big driving factor in people and that's again where you can find that outside of just having kids you can find that in in another in an art form or in you know construction if you're designing the world's most beautiful building you know whatever it may be uh, those are all legacies that you can leave behind and it's something to be remembered by just like, like kids, you know, a living legacy. But I think legacy drives a lot of people as well. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I don't have kids, so I don't really have a perspective on that, but I definitely think it as well. Like, I mean, the podcast itself, I don't know if that's going to be part of my legacy, but the, message behind it or the statement behind it like when i think about legacy i think about directly like how do i want to be remembered like if i were to die today what would zach say about me or if i were you know if i were gone what were some of my friends say about me like that's the way i think about what legacy is in, in my terms and so like i don't know if my podcast directly would be something that i think would be in my legacy yet maybe if it blows up someone might talk about it but I think the message behind it or the philosophy that I try and embody around it, like, I think that that's kind of the legacy I'd like to pass on. And yeah, I don't know if that happens through like my children and they embody that philosophy even better than I do, or maybe they completely disregard it. But I, I like that idea of legacy, but I just, yeah, I really cling to the sense that, yeah, we all have this like either maternal or paternal instinct within us and, I think that that's a huge, I don't know if it, yeah, I guess like maturizing, is that the word you've been using? That's such a good word, man. I've never used that word to be maturation. Honest. Addicted. Yeah. Maturation. maturation. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a good stage in, in maturation, becoming a parent, even though I'm not one, because I just feel like that that's like our main driving force, our main motivation. 
And I think what I was trying to allude to earlier, I guess I didn't explain it hundred percent, but I think I touched on it well, is it's like the, the emotional or the spiritual or whatever satisfaction you get from, you know, say you complete a job, you get a paycheck and then you get a truck that you wanted, or you put a down payment on a home that you wanted. Like those are all great, amazing feats. But I think, I feel like, you know, when you are able to protect and provide for your children, your wife, your family, like, I feel like that must be such an emotionally deeper satisfaction. Like it's so, it must be so much better. And that's one of the things that it's like, I look forward to so much about being a father when my time comes, I'm not looking for it anytime soon, but I'm just saying (laughs) when that time comes, like that's something that I'm looking forward to. It's like, I already think of myself as a motivated driven person. You kind of talked about this as a joke earlier, but it's like, I'm looking for that to be my cheat code to get more motivation later on when this dies out, man. Like, (laughs) Oh yeah. In your, in your case, you're going to have no shortage of it at that point. I'm sure it's going to be, it might be obnoxious listening to your podcast at that stage with how driven you'll be, but you know, that's a, that's a bridge you can cross when you get there. But um, yeah, man, I figure we can kind of close it off there. I think, you know, we kind of got way sidetracked off the original topic, but I'm, I'm happy for that. Again, I'm, I'm just happy to have a podcast that is not centered around the election. I cannot tell you how happy I am to just have a conversation again, that doesn't have to do with any of that division. So thank you. And um yeah, man, I think I think we can both agree, you know, put yourself through trials and tribulations, learn to stand in your own two feet, you know, even if nobody's standing next to you, stand up for what you believe in. I think that's all. Those are all steps that come along with, you know, um, maturation, adulthood, manhood, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's important. Again, uh, you know, ask for help when you need it. But, you know, be willing to face things by yourself. You know, it, there's a there's a lot of strength that comes in that. man. Yeah, I guess I'm really, as much as I'd love to think that that I can do this, I feel like uh, I'm not the best guest to to have on if you want to have a guided discussion, because uh, my attention span (laughs) is just all over the place. So uh, I mean, I apologize that we got real off topic. And if you want to redo this and, and cover this topic a little bit more, we can do a round two. I'm more than happy to do that. But you will have to keep me on track, man, because my brain does wander. But yeah, just circling back to the original like topic of discussion, like I really like how you're saying like stand on your own two feet and accept as much responsibility. Like the best thing I could give to like or advice I give to someone that's trying to quote unquote man up or become more of a man, like it would be the same advice that I would give to my younger self because that's something that I try and think about all the time. And it's like, look, you need to figure out basically like three things, like who you are, The second thing would be who you want to be. And the third thing would be what the fuck you stand for. And then just never sacrifice those things. Yep. I agree with you completely, man. I think that's well put. That's precise. It's succinct. (laughs) I like it. Um, I guess we can close off there. Again, you can give your plugs one last time if you want, and then we can sign off for today. And um, hopefully I'll see you again on a job site soon here. Oh yeah, man. Well, yeah. If anyone enjoyed, if, if anyone even enjoyed what I was saying today, they can check out my Instagram or my podcast. The podcast is called Hey Mark. Pretty simple. It's also in the link in my bio in my Instagram, which is at Mark D Hendrickson, but I'm sure Zach will, will throw that in the show notes as usual. But yeah, brother, thank you so much for having me on. I enjoyed this conversation a lot. Again, I apologize for getting a little bit off topic, but 
I'm looking forward to the next episode and uh, I'm looking forward to working with you, man. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for coming on and uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.